All right, we're back with another valuable and actionable episode of the marketing automation discussion. My co-host is here with me to discuss in detail setup and proper strategy for new cold email campaigns. We go into record verification, sender accounts, how to ensure high deliverability, open rates, click rates, and proper maintenance for cold email longevity. Current, say hey, and please give us the context for our discussion. Hi, everybody. Welcome to be back. Thank you, Alex, for having me again. What I want to share today, first of all, is the importance of high open rate. First of all, a low open rate will directly impact the potential of the data set that you're using to do your campaigns. And in turn, obviously, the results of the campaign will also be lower. Now, let me illustrate that with an example. Let's say that you that you uh, email uh, 100 people and only 10% of them uh, opened your message. That basically means that 90% of the email, uh, 90% of the people that you emailed uh, cannot even be considered for any kind of conversion. They didn't see your message. Yeah. And let's say from those 10, two replied to you. Now, if you would take that same uh, data set and um, do a lot of action that we will discuss later on in this uh, episode uh, and increase the open rate, to 20 or 30% with the same conversion from open to reply, you'd be getting somewhere between four and six replies. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the, the open rate is pretty much the first barrier or let's say the first door that you need to open, no pun intended, uh, to get a very, very good um, uh, end conversion rate. So not just the delivery to open or a prospect to open, but rather prospect to call set or some, or whatever uh, your your end conversion metric is. Yeah, so I, I hand it back to you now, Alex. Great. Now let's kind of set the stage for our listeners by referring to a specific scenario we're advising on actually this morning. In this situation, the domain name we are about to send campaigns from is brand new, as in no emails have ever been sent. Before any emails are sent, we urge listeners to do the following. Number one, create a Google Apps or Outlook account for this new domain. Curran will explain more on why we recommend sending through your email account as opposed to a third-party server. Step two, authenticate all records. We'll mention those. Number three, send a test email to mail-tester.com, easy free tool to ensure all records are in place. Note, if you are risking sending through an ESP like SendGrid, you should not start cold emailing under a new domain until you have fully warmed up multiple IPs under that ESP and have sent a lot of warm emails uh, that have very little unsubs and no spam complaints before you start sending through a third party. But if you have a Google Apps account or Outlook account for this new domain, you have circumvented this. Now, step four, connect this Google Apps account or this Outlook account to your cold email platform. I stress cold email platform in this statement because you do not wanna send cold emails from a platform not created for that purpose, i.e. customer.io, SendGrid, MailChimp, Yesware, Constant Contact, what have you. These are all purposed for newsletters, drips, customer emails, not purposed for cold emails. We do discuss in a previous episode 
and I'll show it here on screen, the top five platforms specifically created for cold emailing and the differences between each. Okay, so before we dive into strategy, let's talk real quick about the causes of low deliverability. Uh, in my experience, low deliverability can be caused by a few factors. Number one, negative sender reputation. This accumulates over time. Sender reputation is an indication of the trustworthiness of an email sender's IP address and sending domain. Now, high complaint rates, keeping your subscriber complaint rate low is crucial to maintaining a positive sender reputation. Complaints like unsubscribes and blocks, these reduce your sender reputation. Now, getting listed on blacklist, of course, blacklist listing will reduce your sender reputation. For removal, Curran will actually speak to this and we'll show a link here in the notes and in the article. If you're reading, go ahead and check the steps to removal from a blacklist. Now, number two, poor list quality. This will lower your deliverability. Never ever buy a pre-built list. Someone's trying to sell you 10,000 emails from XYZ type of customer. Do not buy it. Make sure you are focusing on developing your own list through ad hoc data research and enrichment. Now, number three, lack of email authentication will lower your deliverability. Authentication allows the receiver of an email and the mailbox provider to confirm the identity of the sender. If the identity of the sender cannot be authenticated, mailbox providers may reject the message or put it through additional filters to determine whether it should be delivered. Now, DKIM, Domain Keys Identification Mail, is a TXT record published in your domain name system, your DNS. DKIM uses keys to make sure an email sender is who they say they are. Now, DMARC TXT records, D-M-A-R-C records. Now, these are not necessary, but they do help validate the origin of the email message by verifying the IP address of an email's author against the alleged owner of the sending domain. Now, DMARC enables the message sender to indicate that their message is protected with SPF and or DKIM. Now, DMARC policy applies clear instructions for the message receiver to follow if and when the email does not pass SPF or DKIM authentication, for instance, reject or junk, etc. Now, your CRM should suggest when you go to add a new domain that you have a DKIM record in your DNS before they allow you to send from that domain. Some even require it. Now that we have the setup complete, what do you suggest they do to ensure continued success in their cold email campaigning? Yeah. Um, Alex, first of all, uh, to, to add on to some of the points that you mentioned, um, once you are, let's say you, you made some mistakes and you did get into some blacklists, um, the first step there is really find out. Uh, let's say if you are having a, a open rate of about 30 40% and all of a sudden it, it plummeted to about 5 10%, something went wrong. It's not, it's not just that your subject was horrible or something like that. It, it, something happened, you got on blacklist or something like that. So go and check it out. And one of the tools that I recommend there is MX Tools. Um, you can do an analysis of your, uh, of your uh, uh, um, uh, website, your web domain, and they'll also tell you uh, any other errors that, that are uh, in your setup, and they will also provide you a list of, comp of, of blacklists that you're on. And each blacklist... Um, has a different way 
of of uh, removal. So you would need to get in touch. Uh, you know, uh, each blacklist will have certain instructions that you need to follow in order to be removed. The good news is, uh, is of course, that you can be removed. It's not a permanent status, and uh, um, so you can take some actions in in uh, removing yourself from blacklists, and then uh, see your. Uh, um, your um, open rates go up again. The other thing that I would mention about DMARC, and uh, uh, this is something that um, is not very known, is if you set up DMARC wrongly, it's going to provide you with a lot of soft bounces. I'll discuss that in my next point. But uh, if you are going to set up your DMARC, which is good for you, make sure that you do it extremely well. A uh, DMARC that you set up, let's say, uh, not so well could could actually have a... uh, negative impact on your uh, open rate by, by causing a lot of soft bounces, depending on the policy that you set up. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the things that I wanted to uh, uh, speak about uh, right from the start is something that is related to your data. Um, bounce rate is going to be a very, very key um, um, factor in, uh, in, in your overall deliverability rate. Uh, and when we're discussing bounce rates, we can differentiate two different kind of bounces. One is called a soft bounce. The other is called a uh, hard bounce. A soft bounce uh, occurs for a variety of reasons, um, <coughs> ranging from that the message that you sent was reject- rejected because your, your, your uh, uh, rating was too low or the recipient's inbox was full, or your DMARC setup was so harsh that any kind, or let's say the threshold of your DMARC message was so low that your message are being rejected uh, as per the instructions of your DMARC, and list continues and so forth and so on. It could also be that the email is automatically internally uh, uh, forwarded to another person without ever being reached uh, the, the intended end recipient. Yeah, So these are all soft bounces they do impact your open rate yeah uh, for example let's say you emailed 100 people and uh, there were there were 10 bounce uh, soft bounces the the these people will never open your email because they never received your email in their inbox so from the 90 uh, people that did receive your email they have a chance to see your uh, your uh, um uh, uh, body by opening uh, the email. Then there are other factors which I will be discussing in a bit um, that impact that further. Then we then we talk about hard bounces, which are even more detrimental to your continued success in cold uh, emailing. Um, let me define what a what a hard bounce is. First of all, a hard bounce hard bounce is where you have the email address of the person wrong, or let's say uh, the, the the domain. Uh, in the email address is wrong or the email is wrongly formatted. All comes to the same thing. You have a wrong email address, whether it's spelled wrongly or it's simply the wrong uh, uh, structure of the email, doesn't matter. You have the wrong email. Now, what happens is it, it impacts the campaign performance in the exact same way as a soft bounce. Simply, those people never got to see your email. But what it does on top, what a soft bound does not do, is that it communicates a particular low quality on your server side uh, about your uh, 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 email is that you're using low quality data, which, uh, which gives you a score. And if this score is uh, keep on getting lower and lower and lower, 
your spam rating, your, your overall spam rating of your domain is increased. So basically what happens is if you are having a consistent bounce rate of about 15 to 20%, you are going to see a, a decrease in the overall open rates that you have because your, your, your domain rating will decrease. The health, the reputation of your domain will decrease. So uh, even though the, the soft bounces are detrimental to the performance of your campaign, hard bounces are detrimental to the performance of all campaigns that you're doing, not just the ones that you're doing currently, right? So very, very important to keep the bounce rate as low as possible. I recommend less than 5%, right? Then uh, um, another factor that, that will impact the open rate is the sender's email. Are you sending uh, your your automated emails from a third party sender, which you spoke about, you know, a little bit earlier in your in your uh, part, uh, where suppliers such as SendGrid, Mailchimp, and so forth and so on are excellent products in their own right, in their own use case. They are meant for uh, you know mail blast newsletters, B two C kind of mailing where people have subscribed and they want to. Uh, uh, receive ton of emails. Um, in that case, they're good. However, where you are trying to establish contact in, in a cold outreach, uh, um, you know, uh, with a person, um, there, this particular type of t- a tool doesn't work well. Uh, firstly, it will add information into the message itself, uh, such as uh, signed by. Uh, and and uh, sent on behalf of these kind of things. So, for example, if I would be using uh, a software like uh, SendGrid, it will be sent from my. Uh, it will be sent by uh, SendGrid. However, it would have information that it was sent on my behalf. It was sent on my email's behalf. Yeah. So that's very very important. Yeah. So the other thing is, of course, whether or not you're going to use an alias versus an actual user. So let's say you're on Google Suite or on Microsoft uh, 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 365. There you will have a user that is assigned to you and that user has an email. Um, When you are emailing people, you should use that user because there there are certain metrics that you need to keep in mind. The, The email address that you're using yourself has incoming traffic, meaning that there are people actually sending you emails. You're not just using it for outbound. You're also using for inbound uh, emails. This is this kind of email address has a higher uh, authority, higher uh, um, rating than an email that is only sending emails outwards, or where the proportion of the incoming emails is very, very low compared to the outgoing emails. Therefore, the best strategy that you can use to keep your out, uh, open rates high is to use the email that you're operating. Because you'll be getting emails from your colleagues, you'll be getting emails from your customers, you'll be getting, if you're a salesperson, you'll be getting emails from a lot of different people, but you'll also be sending emails outwards. Yeah? So the tip there is to use your primary uh, mailbox to actually send uh, these emails. Alias, the case against alias emails can be made simply by saying that once you do the handover, you'll break, you'll break the spell that this was fully manually uh, or human written content that I, w- that I have been sending. Simply when you go from, you know, uh, js at domain to john.smith at, at uh, uh, domain, you, you, you will tell the other person that I have been targeting you, uh, you know, out- with an automatic uh, um, outreach. And this could result in a drop-off uh, or let's say fall-off in um, positive reply to call set yeah, so you also need to think ahead in the sales 
uh, um, funnel, how can you, you know, uh, prevent later on fall off is to keep the entire process, um, you know, um, streamlined. And you do that by using your primary emails. Then uh, recipient's email is very, very important. Yeah. Where you have, you know, either the direct email of that person, the private email of that person, which is like on, on a, on a uh, free mailer such as Google, Gmail or Yahoo or GMX. There are plenty of them out there. Or a role-based email. Um, I would recommend against emailing private emails and role-based emails and only targeting people on their direct corporate email. And there are very good reasons for that. Uh, role-based emails are mostly not uh, monitored by a, a person. They're not responsible for a particular role-based email. So you really want to try to target that person. It could be that one role-based email is being, being opened and used by several different people. So you might not even reach the intended party, even though it, it, it may be an open, it's probably not the right open. So why would you waste all that time that you used or money that you used to get the data if you're not going to target the right person? Now, private emails I wouldn't use uh, because simply in many countries, they're against the law. You cannot target people uh, in their private uh, uh, email addresses. And in the, in the long run, this will, you know, uh, uh, be against your overall performance if you're not targeting people in the direct corporate um, um, email addresses. So, so far we have discussed mainly about the data itself. Let's switch uh, towards the content side. So the, the subject line is the first thing that the person, uh, the recipient will see when your email comes into their inbox. So let's say you avoided the, the spam folder. You're now in their, in their, in their, in their uh, uh, inbox. Now there, the subject line that you have is going to impact the, the rate at which people open. And secondly, the rate at which if they open, they're not negatively surprised. So I'm, I'm making a distinction here between uh, uh, subject lines which are good versus subject lines that are clickbait. Yeah, clickbait subject lines may have a very high open rate, but in the end, you're really going to anger some people because they might feel cheated. Yeah? And you don't want to have that because you're really setting a, a very, very, you know, a horrible start of a relationship and, and it's, it's not going to result in the, the actual metric that is important to you, which is positive reply rate. Yeah? So the subject line should indicate the content of the email. And the content of the email, of course, should be valuable, should be personally relevant and conversational. It shouldn't be sales or market, uh, marketing oriented. And so these two things are very, very important when you're creating the copy of the, uh, 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 of the email as well as the subject line. Yeah? Um, then there are certain things that you can't do much about, which is a target market. The target market um, very much has a particular, let's say, a noise of of other competitors that are that are targeting the same market and also the, the 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 propensity to answer emails now let me give you two examples one example would be front facing uh departments uh, marketing sales uh, business development uh general management and so forth and on the other hand let's say the 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 back end of the uh, the the business where it's operations and and uh, um um, you know, software development, engineering, architecture, and so forth and so on. Now, even though the front-facing guys, they are more used to receiving emails uh, and they ha may have higher noise, they may be uh, more likely to open because they themselves send the emails as well. So they know what, what this is all about. As long as you can differentiate yourself from the noise, 
you will have good open rate. On the other hand, if you're targeting, uh, you know, IT managers and, and other such uh, people that don't necessarily receive a lot of emails from the from the uh, 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 from outside the organization, they have a lot of internal traffic. They might not even see your email as important. They might only be responding to emails that are with the the, the prefix urgent or something like that. So you really need to test out uh, whether or not your market has a particular appetite for receiving emails or not. So you can't compare one market with another. So we have a bunch of customers ranging from different markets, and some of our customers are happy with an open rate of 40%, and the others are you know, uh, surprised that it's low or something like that. So it, it really depends on the market that you're targeting. Then the behavior of your emailer is important as well. So when you are sending the email, the schedule of that is going to impact the um, the um, open rates, and that happens because if you're sending too many emails in a short period of time, let's say you sent 500 emails in an hour, that's humanly impossible. No human can do that. Uh, therefore, servers also see that as such that this is an automated mailing. You automatically each of those emails automatically gets a low rating, or let's say, if you turn it around, a higher spam rating. And it could be that, just just let's try to put a number on it. Let's say you got a spam rating of 35, and you targeted 100 different uh, uh, servers, because you targeted 100 different people. And from those 100 different servers, um, about 50 of them had the threshold of 30. You, you're, not, you're not entering those inboxes. You're going directly into spam folder. So, that this is one of the ways your outgoing server, uh, which wants to obviously make sure that you're not doing spammy uh, uh, you know, uh, outreach, will give your email a score. If that score, if that spam score is too high, you will hit more the thresholds of spam and go into spam. The, the same goes for the period between email one and email two and email two and email three. If the period is less than six seconds or 10 seconds. Again, it's very, very difficult for a human to do that. However, if the period is long enough, let's say you put like two minutes, 120 seconds, uh, between email one and the next email is sent 120 seconds later, um, you would have a lower spam rating. Let's say you take it one step further where you have uh, not just a bigger um, bigger um, you know, period between, but it's actually also random. Let's say it's 120 seconds, plus a random percentage every time, which further uh, makes you look human, increase, or let's say decreases your spam rating even further. Then you have uh, the sending volume you know, uh, per day. This is not just in the period, but also per day. Um, if you are sending, uh, you know, even if you're sending across different, uh, um, with, with big interval in the middle, if you're sending 1,000 emails a day, you're going to run into spam folders as well because normal mailboxes are simply not set up to have that kind of volume. And a normal human being cannot really handle those kind of volumes as well. So when you take all of these parts together, keeping the bounce rate low, sending it from your primary, 
uh, email address, sending it to their uh, corporate email address, having a good subject line that represents the content of the email in a sincere, honest, and personalized way, having the content of the message as valuable, personally relevant, and conversational, and not salesy. Don't use a lot of you know spam triggery words, which are uh, um, you know so so often used by other uh, you know bad practiced um, you know outreachers. You're going to be parked in the same kind of group as them. Um, targeting the market in the way that they're supposed to be targeted, having a good sending schedule with a good sending volume, all together, basically just acting as if you're human, setting up your automation in a way that is kind of replicating a very human behavior. Now, all those together will keep your bounce, uh, sorry, your open rate very high. And typically, what we see with with the with the uh, customer group that we have is between. 40 and 70. And what I understand from the industry, the industry average is around, I think, 27 or 33%, if, if I'm just, you know, uh, taking it from the top of my head right now. Yeah. So back to you, Alex. To recap, just from the top to the bottom, the first step, you want to make sure to verify the new domain, set up all the records correctly. Make sure you're sending from the appropriate type of platform. Don't send cold emails from a platform not built for cold emailing. Make sure after you've authenticated that the data that you're going to send to is quality data. It's enriched and built for the purpose of the email campaign. Once you have compliant data, you have SPF records and and everything actually uh, in place and verified, then you can go ahead and start writing quality message copy, focus on the customer, keep it about them, make sure you're using a lot of dynamic text, a lot of customized text in the messaging, make sure the send schedule is on point, you don't want to send too much too soon. And then obviously, the sending volume total per month, you want to keep at a reasonable amount between 25 and 100 per day. Again, you do not want to go after volume to get your sales and replies. Go after quality first and volume as quality becomes more and more on point. And you can get, get higher volume, not necessarily by sending more emails from one email address. You can actually get higher volume just by adding more email addresses underneath your Google Apps account or your Outlook account and uh, sending from those new personas. That should do it. That's another great episode of the Marketing Automation Discussion. Thank you all for joining in and I look forward to sharing more details and more automations soon. Thank you, Curran. Thank you, Alex. Take care.